Amen. And you're loved. You, you, you can take that one right there. <laughs> the Annabelle here today. And I'm sorry we're not having children's church today. Now the mother and me wants to just dump it on to pastor and go and have children's church. We just didn't know you were coming. And so... Maybe we'll do a game or something afterwards. But I'm pretty excited about children's ministry. And maybe afterwards we can just show you what we did to the fellowship hall. Because since the pandemic, we're not going to be having fellowships, right? So we had this whole hall and we had a tiny children's church. And I thought, okay, how can we minister to our children in a pandemic and keep good distance. I mean, if you've been back to the rooms, you'll say, well, that's kind of hard. And we all sit together in that little table. So it wasn't possible. So I said, why don't we just go on a summer adventure? Is that fun? Who likes adventures? I know, Annabelle, you like adventures. And I know my helper loves adventures. And I know a lot of you, Ramona, loves adventures. And So what we did was we took all the chairs and put them in the back of the fellowship hall and rearranged so we can have social distancing. But when you come in, I even hate to say that in church, do you know that you can buy signs that say, you know, six feet apart? We're confused. We hadn't been to Walmart since the beginning of March. We went to Walmart and now there's like one way signs and it's like, oops, sorry, you know, I'm the wrong way and. I felt like an old person because I'm going down the wrong way. and So you can buy signs like that. And I said, you know, I want church to not be like that. Amen. Because we're all adults. Well, most of us. And um, so what we did in Children's Church, which is now the Fellowship Hall, we're going on an adventure. And we'll start next week. And... We all have our hula hoops, which are adventure hoops. They're not just hula hoops. They're adventure hoops. And so when we do our lessons, we can go from table to table and we'll do a review because it's been two months. So we need to review before we can go forward. And so we're going to do that starting next week. Wait, that's the third. Sister Frances will be here next week. So we'll start that after she comes. But there's plenty of space in there. Each student will have their own table, and I think it's going to be a good thing. It'll be a good, we've even got games like Mother May I, and games where you won't have to, um, you know, like throw a ball or anything, anything fun, right? So we have games that (laughs) that you can't do anything fun with, but we'll have games, and we'll make it fun. Yeah, we'll make it fun. These are the, these are times that are truly difficult, and I think it's difficult more for children than it is for adults. And I was thinking throughout my life, you know, obviously I had a mother. I mean, here I am. So I had a mom. My mom was kind of like an absentee mom, even though she was there. We had alcohol in the family, so it, it was kind of a a raging, dysfunctional family. My mom kind of checked out. I was the youngest, always told I was the accident. So I, um, my older sisters, my two older sisters, really were more of a mother to me than what my mom was. And um, when I became a Christian, then I got spiritual moms. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is helping people who are still mothering their children in a post-pandemic atmosphere. Because, you know, I salute everyone in here who's a mother. Um, It's one of the most challenging jobs. It's a job that sometimes has no reward to it. Sometimes you get thankless children. Um, But I salute you for all that you've done, for all the diapers you changed when they were little, for all the parent-teacher conferences, all the nights of homework when you just wanted to 
just shake them and say, can't you get this? <laughs> all those times when if you were a single mom that you worked all day and then you came home and you still had to make supper and take care of the kids. And it's, it's a hard job, but it's raising the next generation and it's an important job. You know, and if you raise your kids to love God, then a special thank you to you. You know, and no matter whether they're following Christ or not. See, sometimes our minds go back and we go, well, what could we have done better? Well, forget it. That's what we have to do is forget it. Forget what's past. The Apostle Paul said, forgetting what is past. You know, none of us can go back. We can't. It's funny how you can do everything right. And the one thing you do wrong is what you keep seeing in your mind. Amen. As parents, you know, you might have missed up a word or said something wrong or had this day of, you know, real stress. And you st- and that's what your child brings up and remembers all the time. And they don't they forget all the good things. But that's not what this lesson is about or this message. And you could say amen to that. But this morning, I want to address a special class of women who are raising children now in a post-pandemic world. They're the moms who maybe the past two months suddenly found themselves with children at home and maybe started working from home and maybe had children at home and started working at home at the same time. And maybe they were even single parent. I know a lot of single moms who really struggled during this time. Single mom with two in an apartment had a sick daughter, but she couldn't go to the doctor's because the doctor's office wouldn't let the other child in. But you can't leave the child with anybody because of social distancing and other practices. And this was just constant pressure this last two months on people. All of a sudden, you're in a house with kids. I said, thank you, Jesus, that we don't have kids at this stage. Because I, I don't know if I could have stood two months in the house With your kids, they can't have friends over. They can't play. They're confused. Some of them are afraid. And you've still got to make a living if you have a job. And if you don't have a job, now you're in a whole separate situation. And just think of the pressure on this generation to raise the next generation. You know, there's so much pressure being a mom. As you know, when you raised your own kids, there's a lot of pressure being a mom. But there's so much more these days because of the times that we're living in. And telling the mom, well, if you just go to church, it'll be all right. That is like the cop-out answer of 2020. Church is not the answer. It's not the answer to tell somebody, well, if you just came to church and you know how I feel about that, I think we should be in church, okay? Otherwise, we wouldn't be pastors of a church. But to say that that's the answer to come to church isn't fair to somebody who's really struggling with being a parent or having pressure on them for different reasons. It's not a fair answer. What they need to be done, the answer is, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. I remember before I got saved, when I was 32, which was a while ago, um, I thought about going to church, but it wouldn't have been helpful to me. It might have been helpful, I don't know, but I never got there, so I never could tell you whether it would be helpful or not. But once I got born again, then you couldn't keep me from church. So I know from personal experience, it's not church that's the answer. The answer is your relationship with Christ and that hunger that develops on the inside. So what we need to do as mostly older moms who've raised our children, we have to become spiritual moms to this generation that's coming up. We have to help them. Because the, the question arises, can you raise a godly child in this world? And the answer is most definitely yes. I think if the answer was no, then we would already be raptured and on our way home. When it gets to that point where it's not possible 
to raise children in a godly environment, then I think that's the time when God's going to take everybody home because then, then there's fruitless. What's the point of being here? But until that time, we're here and we can raise godly children in this environment. Annabelle, you can be a godly child in this environment. You can. I might mention you a little bit because I'm just so happy to see you. <laughs> you don't know. You, you. We don't know the pressure that her generation is under because we're not 11, 12 years old anymore. But they're facing challenges that we never even. I mean, when I was her age, I was playing with Barbie dolls. I mean, I, I was, you know, I didn't have a cell phone or electronic or, you know, the pressure that these children under are tremendous. But children, with lots of prayer, encouragement, and mentorship, they can raise up and they can worship God. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up the a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. One commentary says to train a child up is like putting a hedge around that child. You like building a fence. However, what must be fenced in with the child is a Bible, the Word of God. You teach the Word to your children. That is the way they should go. Many children will depart from the way, but their early training may be the only way of recovery. You know, we've talked a lot about that incorruptible seed that's in our children. And I'm claiming that. I have a son. I, I can't, I don't talk to him. He doesn't talk to me. It's just an impossible situation. But I pray for him because even though I can't see him, God can see him and God can look out for him for me. And that incorruptible seed, even though he's far, far, far away from God, is inside of him. And I can keep praying and I'm believing. That incorruptible seed has been planted in all of our children. If we have had any Bible that we brought them to Sunday school, that seed is inside. Annabelle, everything you've learned in class, everything your dad's taught you, that's inside of you. And it's going to stay inside because it's incorruptible. It's, it doesn't get destroyed by anything. And at, the tar- at their darkest moment, the seed of the word may grow and bear fruit. We don't know. So we keep planting seeds. And I think about when I came into the kingdom, I was kind of a mess. I'm not anywhere, you know, and you might look now and say, well... <laughs> I was really a mess. But I had spiritual moms who took the time with me. They brought me places. They had lunch with me. They did things with me. I sat beside them when they were teaching children's classes. I learned how to relate to kids. Uh, I can't, the, the millions of things that I learned from a spiritual mama. They would pray with me. They would advise me. I had to look at somebody because all my family were heathens and crazy people. I say that affectionately with the utmost respect (laughs) for my family. But they were. They were, you know, they were who they were. But this generation is so different. I've seen toddlers playing with cell phones. And they say that, you know, if you're... It's so easy for a child to get addicted to this. And a lot of this generation is addicted. A lot of older people are addicted to their cell phones. It's not just a generational thing, but children are more apt to be addicted. I know some parents are fighting it and won't let their kids have a cell phone. And there's so much pressure on them. You know, well, why don't they have a cell phone? Why can't they? And it's like, well, you know, we feel that it's a rite of passage, so they shouldn't have one to at least they're 10 or 11 or, you know, whatever the age is. And um, there's pressure on them. But just think when you don't have a cell phone. Think of when you were a kid 
and your imagination, when you're going on those long car rides with your family, and you'd look out the window, or you know, you'd play the Volkswagen, the punch buggy, or you know, the different things that you do because you don't have a cell phone, and, and how much kids are being robbed of that. It's just a shame. It's a, it's a real shame that they're having to deal with it. And though, even though many kids, and I'm not saying all kids, okay, Annabelle, I'm not, not picking on you, but you are the youngest in the room. I was so happy to see you and your dad come in because I used to be the youngest person in this church, okay? When you came in, you made that graph go down. So I'm excited about that. So, (laughs) yes, you did. But a lot of our generation, because of electronics, they can't add or subtract. And I'm not saying this is you. Like, okay, you know that I'm not saying that this is you. Unless dad, unless dad is like, "Uh uh-huh, that's her. That's what husbands and wives do. You know, sometimes when you're taught, when you're ministering on husbands and wives and they go, yep. You see it subtly when you're from here. Believe me, you see a lot of things. Um, she does math good. Good girl. <laughs> a lot of them can't spell without spell check. They can't handwrite. And it's because of the way they're being trained and taught. But most importantly, they're trained in social justice and they have a keen sense of justice but they don't have a moral foundation that goes with it. You know, they, they work how they feel. You know, well, this is how I feel. And their brains do not get formed fully until they're like in their mid-20s. So a lot of things that you see with your with children, I always, you know, my daughter, she went kind of off the deep end for a while. And then I learned that fact about their brains not forming. So then it, it gave me some peace to know, well, her brain's not fully formed yet and, Now she's 28 and fairly responsible. She hasn't come back to the Lord yet, but at least she's responsible and not not as difficult as her younger years. They're trained in social justice. They have a keen awareness of serving. But sadly, most never have had a clear presentation of the gospel. It used to be you can count on people packing churches for Christmas and Easter. See, this is the fabric of our culture has changed dramatically over the years. And with this pandemic, we don't know afterwards when it's all over, when it's said and done, what church is going to look like or what different things are going to look like. I mean, eventually this too shall pass. And I believe that with all of my heart. But people, the upcoming generation doesn't, they've never been exposed to church. A lot of kids, I say kids are in their 20s, 30s, even 40s, have never been exposed to church. So Christmas and Easter is not a time when they go to church. It used to be you could try to grab some of them for Christmas and Easter and you give a gospel presentation But that's not the case anymore. It's just the fabric of our society is changing. We are in the end of days, in the end of times. And it's not a scary, dark time. It doesn't have to be because we're going to finish the message and you'll feel better. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 4 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. I mean... Can you see that now? Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I have that one bold face. Disobedient. That's one of the signs of the times. Because the spirit has been let loose. I can tell you from teaching children, not my current crop of children, because they are just awesome. And we only have two of them, which kind of... Um, pairs down this, but I, I taught children's ministry for probably over 25 years. And during that time, you can see the children change. You could see them change from sitting there respectfully to not caring if they mouthed off to you or not. 
And you could see, and it was gradual, but it changed over the years. They're disobedient to parents. And the way that they're, but you see, the way the parents treat them, it's like, well, okay. But what is happening is those children that are disobedient are now adults, and they're trying to raise their children. So they don't have tools in their toolbox. This is where the church needs to pray and to help and to mentor and to step in. And I'm not saying all parents, please understand, we're not making blanket statements. We're just saying a lot of people are in this situation. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. I mean, how many things I read in the... Well, it was on my Facebook page because I don't read the New York Times. But there was an op-ed saying that Christians were responsible for this virus. It's like, okay. But despisers of those that are good. Christians get blamed for a lot of things that are just not our fault. But we're going to see in a minute a parallel. Traitors, heady, high-minder, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. This passage tells of difficult and dangerous times with which Christians living in the end of days will encounter. And if you look at that list in 2 Timothy, you can see, and you go, yep, check, check, check. And it comes no surprise to us that one of the last, one of the signs is disobedience. Because the parents haven't been trained themselves. And you can't train, you can't do something that you don't know. And so I'm not faulting parents because sometimes they just don't, they they haven't been raised up. It's like I wasn't raised up properly, so I had to learn as an adult. I had to learn skills. I mean, honestly, with my son, who he just turned 40, which to me makes me feel so old, you know, like, but I know I'm getting, listen, I'm getting this taken care of Tuesday and then I'll be young again. But, um. You know, he just turned 40 years old, and I didn't know anything about, like, babies. I hadn't watched my mother. wasn't extremely nurturing. So now all of a sudden when you have a baby, what, what do you do with this baby? So I knew enough to keep it clean and do all that. But, like, he would whine and cry when I would try to teach him how to tie his shoes. He wasn't, he was 10 years old until when he learned to tie his shoes. And it was finally somebody saying to me, why are you tying your shoes? I mean, uh, this is an honest story. I didn't know how to train him in things because I hadn't been taught. So this is why we need spiritual mamas and spiritual dads, but that's coming in June. You know, the nucleus of the family has been destroyed And children are being raised in all situations through no fault of their own. You know, I I know of a a man who fathered a child and decided he'd become a woman. So now the baby and they're not going to say whether the baby's a boy or a girl. I mean, what kind of that baby's got no chance. What, What kind of chance does a baby have of normal upbringing? I mean, that is just weird. Moms are exhausting. They're not hooked into the Word of God. And when you're not hooked into faith, then fear, anxiety, and stress is the order of the day. And we see more kids on different anti-anxiety, um, medication, parents on anti-anxiety, medicine. And if you're on things like that, I'm not saying this to condemn you. There are legitimate reasons But a person can have fear or faith, but not both. And if you look at percentages, if you say, okay, I'm 100% of something, I'm a 100% person, right? But I can have like 90% faith, and then it would be 10% fear. I think we all have some fear in us because it's our innate nature. And I'm going to read that to you. But we can also have 90% fear and 10% faith. So we want to try to get that faith level with more, we want to have more percentage of faith in our life than fear. Amen? Especially in this days. Honestly, don't watch television news unless you absolutely, 
He watches CBS News. I think it's because the local news is on. I don't mind the local news because you do get some information. I've got to leave the room. I cannot do. I just can't do it. It's not like I'm ignorant. I do get news on the Internet and stuff. But sometimes, you know, you got to take a break from the news because it, it can scare you. You know, now it's like meat shortages, you know. So we went from toilet paper shortages and hand sanitizer, which we still, I don't know if we can, I try to get something for hand sanitizer for the church. I still can't get it. Um, I forget what came after that, but then it was box hair color for a while. There was a run on that when people started seeing their true selves. And, um, And now it's like the meat shortage. And all of this is just designed to scare you. It's designed to scare you. Now, is the shortage real? Probably. I went, I drink, I have to have a cup of Lipton tea every morning. Okay, even if I only drink like half of it, I have to have it. It's just one of my, it's one of my little guilty pleasures. It's got to be Lipton. Um, and I'll have a good day if I can just have a little Lipton tea in the morning. So I was getting low. I was watching it, watching my supply dwindle. So I, I was at seven tea bags about a week ago and I knew I was getting low so when I went to Kroger's the week before I looked and I said oh no Lipton tea well it must be because everybody's home and they're drinking Lipton tea so I'll get it next week and then I'm watching my supply dwindle and it's like we went to Kroger's this week and there was no Lipton tea and it's like now I'm like almost mini panicking because now I feel the pressure I was fine with the toilet paper because we had just bought some at Sam's, so we were, I were fine with that. Don't care about box color. I promised my hairdresser I wouldn't touch my hair. But the Lipton tea was, like, making me anxious. So we were in Walmart yesterday, and I said, please, can we just go by and see if there was Lipton tea? And there was, like, three boxes. So I bought one because I'm responsible. hundred bags. That will last, like, three months. So I was telling my sister, she goes, did you buy like four boxes of it? And it's like, that's a year's supply. Are you kidding me? I don't need that much Lipton tea. I'm not going to get in fear over a meat shortage or, you know, even a tea shortage. I mean, if it came right down to it, suck it up, Pat, and drink something else. Get a cup of hot water and put a lemon in it. You know, don't be afraid with what you hear about shortages He's tried to tell us in the word, don't be afraid about wars and rumors of wars and everything bad going on. Don't operate out of a position of fear because you're going to make dumb mistakes. You're going to panic. You're going to start doing things that you wouldn't do if you were in your right mind. Don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. Even though that little percentage of me had anxiety when I couldn't find Lipton tea. It's like, we live in America. What do you mean there's no Lipton tea? See, we all have our pressure points. And mine is a good cup of Lipton tea in the morning. But this is where fear comes from. Genesis 3, 8 through 10. And they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the tree of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. See, Adam used to walk with God. But after sin, what happened? This is the first instance of fear. Fear is a reflective, reflexive instinct of human nature. He says, Fear not, several times in the Bible. I think you said it was 365 times in the Bible. Fear not. Fear is something that we all have to deal with and battle with. This generation is full of fear because they're living without any faith in a living God. And you'll notice, and I don't want to pick on political parties and make some watchers mad that, are still in the other political party. But one political party uses fear to control their people. 
Like, and their biggest thing is, you know, we're all going to die. And I heard somebody say last week, well, why is that always their go-to message? You know, you're all going to die. We're all going to die. And we heard it <clears throat> back in 95. Those of you who remember back to 1995 when the Republicans were going to cut school lunches or it was a school lunch brouhaha and the Democrats would say, well, then children are all going to starve if we do this. We're all, they're all going to die. And somebody said, well, why are they always saying we're all going to die? Well, because they don't believe in God. Think about it. God's not in their thinking. So one of their biggest fears is that they're going to die. Now, the Christian doesn't fear death because we know we just passed from this. Our last breath here is our first breath in heaven. So dying isn't dying isn't the big deal. You know, plus we know that we're not going to be separated from God. And the other party they don't believe in God, so they just don't know what's going to happen. So it's all like we're all going to die and all the the that members of that party are like we're all going to die. We're all going to die. The virus is going to kill us. We're all going to die. Well, it was only like a 2% death rate. It wasn't much. And the numbers even then are have been kind of fudged because suddenly Deaths in some places from heart attack, diabetes, complications, those deaths miraculously dropped and the virus deaths went up. And it's like, okay, so maybe the virus did a good thing, see, because people weren't dying of heart attacks anymore. You know, heart disease solved. Coronavirus solves heart disease. No, I'm just kidding. But we, people will, who are in fear, We'll give up anything to anybody to have a little bit of security. And that's the danger. This is why as people of God, we have to we have to shore up our faith level. And Pastor and I have talked about it. And we said what we need to do now is to just teach faith and, and to shore up your faith and to let you, you know, have faith in God, believe God, trust God. We've been watching a lot of because we ran out of all of our. Nice binge watching things we watch. We blew through Sue Thomas, which is a real good series. If you've never seen it, Sue Thomas, FBI, really good. Um, we blew through a lot of series. Heartland blew through that. So then it's like, well, what do you want to watch? Well, I don't know. So we started on documentaries from World War Two. So we watched like Hitler Youth, and um, you know, then we take a break and we'd watch an old Hawaii Five O because it, it, we like that. So, anyways, Hitler took those German youth, and Friday was the 75th anniversary, by the way, of World War Two. And we took those documentaries. My dad was—he was about your age, brother LH. He, he was a glider pilot. He went in and he—he kind of scoped out the area. But he didn't tell us that. We had to find it. My sister had to find that out because he always told us he was a cook. He would never talk about his army experience. But um, how did I, what was I doing? We were talking about Hitler. My dad could not believe that the Nazis killed six million Jews in the Holocaust. He could not believe it. He said, how could anybody? And here my dad was... He was in the army in World War II, and he, he could not believe it, that anybody could be that evil. But what Hitler did was they took in, 19, in the 1930s after World War I, and Germany had been decimated then, but what he did was he took the youth, he had a little bit of power at that point, and they eliminated a lot of the youth programs. They eliminated the Catholic youth programs. They eliminated. So the only thing, if you wanted to, like, play soccer, well, you could play soccer, but you've got to be a member of the Hitler Youth. You know, you can do arts and crafts, but you've got to be a member of the Hitler Youth. So they monopolized children's childhood. They took them, they trained them, and they molded them into worshipers of Hitler. There was no God in Germany back then. Very few pastors would speak up. And these children grew up and they were the most, most ruthless soldiers because they were willing to die 
for the cause of Hitler. And it's really fascinating when you look at it. And I said to Clarence, I said, not only did he kill the six million Jews, he stole a generation. He stole a generation of Germans by stealing their childhood from them. And the, the documentaries were so, they were so compelling. And you can see parallels to what's happening now with our children. You know, these kids didn't think twice about turning in their parents, a lot of them. You know, and, and we're going to get to that in a minute. We can see, you know, some places in the United States had a snitch hotline during the pandemic where, you know, if you saw your neighbor out without a mask, you know, report them. Just like World War II. And, and the thing was, is a lot of these hotlines were overloaded with calls. So who's doing the reporting? Somebody's reporting and I'm not saying that something shouldn't be reported, but there are, you know, it was an over, overreaction. And why were they doing it? It was out of fear of the virus. It was out of fear. In Matthew 10, 34, 36, it says, think not that I have come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, the daughter against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of their own household. We see it happening today. We see it happening. The hour is urgent. And what is happening with our children and grandchildren cannot be denied. I know some of you in here are, are experiencing what I am with your children. So that your children are estranged for whatever reason. And I know a lot of you are blessed because your children are seeing Donna and Tanya with, and Todd too. With Sister Claudine, not everybody's got children that are estranged, and that's a blessing. It's a real blessing to have that and to see that. But we have to help moms for the sake of this next generation. We have to help moms to see Jesus, and we have to be Jesus' hands and feet. I have to do a better job at that. The tendency of moms is to hold on to their children out of fear. And sometimes we hold on to the memories of our children out of fear. You know, what we could have, should have, would have done. And we got to let go of those things. Because nobody's perfect parent. You can't, if you hold on to those past memories, you're not going to help them now. Right now, our children need prayer. And they need guidance. And they need for, they need for us to be Jesus with with skin on and, and I, we need to be Jesus's hands and feet. You know, we need to. Our job is not to make our kids happy. And I would tell Molly this all the time. My job is not to make you happy. My job is to look in the future and see if this behavior is going to harm you when you're older. Sometimes we can be unaware of how much our children are suffering because we give them so much materially that we can't, we try to make up material-wise for what what they we should be helping them with emotionally. But we as spiritual moms, we've been there, done that, we've walked the road. And now we see somebody else on the road, and it's our job to help them on that road. So maybe they cannot make the same mistakes. I remember... Just picking up my daughter, she was maybe two or three. She was still, I was still able to pick her up, so she was little. And I kind of just swung around and I thought, man, you know, I'm so blessed because I didn't have this, but I'm able to give this to somebody else. I'm able to give a good childhood to my daughter. And see, even though if maybe you didn't have a good childhood or a good mother, but you can do that, you can give it to somebody else. And then when I got involved in children's ministry, God really redeemed a lot of the childhood that was stolen from me because then I got to do silly games and be silly and do things with with the children that I didn't get to do when I was a child. So there's all God is just able to take things and make it for everybody's benefit. But our job now as older moms is to help those who are coming down the road. We're not retired people. 
Okay, don't don't look at yourself and go, well, I'm old. You know, you you God has given you all this wisdom. You've got wisdom. Use your wisdom to help somebody else who's struggling with these problems. Because that's what it's all about. We used to have closed community. Most of you, or a lot of you, lived, you, you grew up in this area. Some of us are transplanted in. Some of you have that close-knit where your kids are here. And the way kind of that, you know, it's been for, for many, many decades is where families didn't move away. But, you know, and some of us are transplanted. Some of us don't have any family here. But, you know, we have to see them coming down the road and we have to minister to them. We're not retired, folks. I'm sorry if you think you're retired. I've just, newsflash, you're not retired. We must have faith so our children can see the example. We have to have faith. So when somebody calls in a panic, I've got many... I've got two children, a son and a daughter, but I've got many spiritual sons and daughters. And when one calls in a panic, it's like, okay, let's pray. Now, this isn't going to happen, okay? And let me tell you why that what you think is going to happen is going to happen, is not going to happen. I will tell you why it won't happen. And then, you know, a day later, they call back and they go, yeah, you were right, it didn't happen. See, it's wisdom. It's just wisdom. It's just plain wisdom. Why? Because we've been there, done that, got the T-shirt, And now we're able to tell somebody else how not to do that. Or this is how you go through it a little better. And this is what spiritual moms do. You you mother those who need mothering. It says in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, it says, You are the salt of the earth, mom. But the salt, if the salt has lost its savor, where shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, Mom. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before your children, Mom. Your grandchildren, Auntie, spiritual Mom that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let your light so shine so that people can feel like you're somebody that they can come to, that they trust. Let your light shine. Don't be an old pickle puss. Don't be one of them peoples. Be the example of righteousness so that other women that are coming up can follow. That they can see by your example. You know, we owe so much to the women that have come before us. If we had a a mother that loved us and cared for us, we owe so much to them. We owe so much to the people. If you think about different people on your path that have mentored and spent time, we owe so much. And to to whom much is given, much is required. Now you're required to give it out. And to be that spiritual. I want this place full of inter... We want an intergenerational church. We just don't want a church of old folks. And then Jeremy and Annabelle. (laughs) That's not the church we want. We want a church of young folks. Where the young folks respect the old folks. Where the old folks respect the young folks. Where we can all be mentored and we can give out our gifts. How many of you know when you're giving out, you're happy? You're content because you're fulfilling what God has for you. And then they can turn around and they'll give out. And that's how the legacy of your mom and dad is fulfilled. Because you're giving out what you learned from your mom and dad. And it just keeps on and on to the next generation. That's why it's not a dark message. That's why if times get worse, we're going to be a light on the hill. The darker it gets, the brighter the light shine. And listen to what Paul told Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1, 5 through 13, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, 
which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. Therefore I put you in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by putting, by the putting on of hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. First he starts out the passage with, you know, you learned your faith from your mother and your grandmother. And then he says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. What did he give us? Power, love, and a sound mind. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Your children are going to be fine. You're raising your daughter and your and Stacy and your mom. Don't be afraid in parenting. It's fearsome, fearful times, but the faith of God is what carries. Have faith in God. Trust God. Be thou, and, and the verse goes on, the chapter goes on, it says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord and Savior Christ, who has abolished death and has brought forth life and immortality to light through the gospel. People are still being born, and it's still a happy occasion. Yes, it's dark outside. Yes, there's all these things, but have faith in God. Faith in God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust God. With everything. And Timothy had a tremendous heritage. His mother, his grandfather, his grandmother, but there's no mention of the dad. He is exhorted to have faith and not fear. For God did not give you a spirit of fear. The younger generation can be taught godly principles and they can be the Timothy and the Esthers, and the Daniels of 2020. Do you realize Daniel went into captivity when he was a young man? He went into captivity. Do you know how scary that that was? Probably about Annabelle's age. How scary you're, you're not with your mom and dad. But what got him through? Faith in God. That's why we're praying for a big children's church. Because we want Annabelle's peers to love God, too. Amen. Amen? So you believe with us that we're going to see children come in after this coronavirus. We can. Well, we probably can. I, I've counted. And we could probably fit. Because that fellowship hall is pretty big, Miss Barbara. And we could, I think we could put two comfortably at a table and still do six feet because those tables are six feet round. But for now, you guys just get your own set. It's really kind of cool because you get your own stuff and you got like a whole table all to yourself. And it says in First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 13, but the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write you for, you know, perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. But when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Okay, well, that's pretty dark, right? The next verse, but you, but you. So when you start to get afraid, when you start looking at the things outside of, of that's going on in the world, you just remember, but me, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of light and the children of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that, are, that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Just let that sink in for a minute. 
For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also as you do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for your work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Moms, we can do this for this next generation. We can do this. We can edify. We can admonish. But first of all, let's repent of all of our fear regarding our children and our grandchildren. Like I said earlier, fear is the major thing that we have to guard against. You have to guard against fear. Because there's so much fear coming at us. And God, it said plainly, God did not give us the spirit of fear. So when you see fear coming your way, you can just say, stop. Because you're not from God. So... You know, have faith, and if your children are wayward and they're acting kind of goofy, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I tell the Lord, you know what, God, you love my son more than what I can even imagine. And so, he's in your hands. And I have a happy life. Of course, he's helped. (laughs) He's helped with it. But, you know, we can't look at the circumstances. These children are only on loan to us, but they they ultimately belong to God. It was like Mary when she had Jesus. That was just on loan to her. Jesus was just on loan. And he had his own, he had to follow his own way. So first thing we need to do is repent if we're fearful Because I I would think if I polled every mom in here and I asked you what's your biggest fear and your biggest fear is that your children aren't going to make heaven. I would have to believe that that would be the biggest fear of uh, of any mama that their children are going to be separated forever. And then everything else, you know, that they wouldn't suffer here on earth would probably be a second close second. But the first one would be that they wouldn't make heaven. And I always hold my my son up, especially and. My daughter, too, to a degree, and say, God, you know, the blood of Jesus didn't shed his blood in vain for my children. And that you're working them out. Do you know God speaks to our children in different ways? God speaks to us in different ways. Some of us are visual, so we'll see something in nature and God will speak to us. Other of us are audible. We hear something and God speaks to us in a still small voice. God speaks in a multitude of ways. He's. He's not short of ways to reach your children. So if you're afraid that he's, you know, your children are going to miss and you're not going to see, you know, that's just fear coming on you. Just put a stop to that. Just stop. Your grandchildren, they all belong to God. Why? Because they're in your covenant. They belong. Don't be fearful. Don't walk around fearful. I want to give the devil a black eye every day. I want to have joy. Don't you want to have joy? Do you know how after he sits there and he plans all night, what am I going to do? What fear am I going to put on her today? Oh, I'm going to bring up this fear about her son. He's 40 and he's not going to serve the Lord. Well, I wake up and be happy. Does that make the devil happy? No, I don't want to make the devil happy. I hate the devil. I hate what he's done to mankind. I hate what he's done to people. So you have joy. You thwart the devil. If you're there crying and Oh, you know, my kids, my kids, and I'm so worried about my, you do that. You're playing right into the hand of the devil. Have joy. Have faith. Build your faith up so that you have joy and faith. Pray for every child every day. You know, it's not up to us. Now, remember, the Apostle Paul was, was he was knocked off his high horse. Okay, but it's not up to us to tell God how to do his business. And it says that in Jude, but beloved, building up yourselves on on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 
And some of them have compassion, making a difference. And some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by flesh. Now unto him, him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of our glory with exceeding joy. To our only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Some you have to tell them they're going to hell. Some you have to pull out the hand. It's the goodness of God that draws men to salvation. You know, just have a smile on your face. Have some joy. Look like you want to look like you're somebody that somebody else wants to be around. You know, if you're always walking around scowling and stuff, just what makes you think people want to be around that? Have faith in God. Don't let fear control your actions. Here again, it's easy to say it from behind the pulpit. But actual actual life, sometimes we forget and we act the, the, cause, because the reflexive response is fear. And if you're not on guard, you're going to walk in fear. If you're estranged from your children, pray to God and he'll just he'll watch over them and then live a happy life. Go out and find somebody else that you can be a mama to. Be a mama. Find a cat. I love my cat, Tanya. Be a, be, a, be, a, be a mama. And the lastly, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Remember, all moms have made mistakes. And don't let your mistakes overshadow all the good you did and all the good times that you've had with your kids. Don't let the devil live inside your head. God gave you children as a blessing. It says children are a reward. God gave them to you for a time in a season. And it's harder to, it's harder to, I always thought that when they were little, well, like Annabelle's age, when they were younger, that that was really hard. It's actually harder to parent adults, I think. Because when they're 18, they're in, when 18 years they're in your house, you can see them. You know what they're doing. But after they leave the house, it's a lot scarier because you have no idea. And that's when your imagination can run crazy with you. But just be a blessed mom, whatever the situation, and know that God is working on your behalf. God's working on your behalf with all of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. But we've got to dare to stand up and have the faith of God. Amen. Now, for the rest of the day, have a happy and a blessed and a safe Mother's Day. I have a rose for you and for your mom, even though I know you're not a mom. You are like a hamster mom. So So you've got a rose for that. And just know, just just have faith. And tonight, we're not going to have church Facebook Live, no Facebook Live tonight, because we are going to go out for a little bit. And have a good day. And we will see you back Facebook Live on Wednesday night. Wednesday night. But just have a, an awesome day with your children today. If you see them, if you, if you can't be with them, just have an awesome day. Amen. Because God has called us to be the light. He's called us to be the light. And I just, Pastor, if you just want to just pray over everybody, bless them and... Lord. Amen. Amen. All the mothers. Father, we just thank you for every mother, every grandmother, every great-grandmother, every (laughs) great-great-grandmother. Lord, we just thank you for them. Lord, just bless them. Give them the courage to stand and give them the courage to just stand up against the enemy that tries to come against their families. Thank you, Lord, for the faith of God. Thank you for the blessings of God in our life. Father, we just thank you that you are the Lord. You're Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Praise the Lord. Thank God for the victory that's ours in Jesus' name. Jesus is Lord. Everybody say it out loud. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah.
<laughs> Turn to somebody and say, you're blessed. And as you leave this morning, well, I'm going through. I'm going through. I'll pay the price, whatever I must do. Well, I'll take the way with the Lord's chosen few. I've started out for Jesus, and I'm going... One more time. Well, I'm going through. I'm going through. I'll take the way with the Lord's chosen few. I'll pay the price, whatever I must do. Found it out for Jesus, and I'm going through. Well, God bless all you mothers, and just have a great day in the Lord. Amen. Praise God. God bless you all.